Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Peter Humensky. Peter, are you ready to do this? I am very ready to do this. Excellent. Let's do this. Peter is an accredited wealth management advisor, and he's the president and a wealth advisor with Thorium Wealth Management. I'm excited to have you on. Peter, tell us a little bit about your personal life a little bit more about your professional background and why it is you do what you do. All right. So I am married, have three teenage children, two daughters and a son. They keep us exceptionally busy. Um, it's We were talking about it the other day. It's kind of scary to think that in six years they're all going to be gone. That is kind of scary. Um, but it does happen. <laughs> um, my oldest is... Um, uh, getting ready to learn to drive and my youngest is soon to be 13 in a couple months and it's it's amazing how fast time flies. Um, I have been in with the wealth management business almost 20 years now. I spent the first 14 years of my career or so working in big bank wealth management. Um, cut my teeth there. Um, I have probably the most a and then the last four years I've uh, we opened Thorium four years ago this month, actually, May 25th, and we've been growing slowly but surely. I added a uh, director of investments who oversees trading and operations this year, so that's an exciting step in the evolution process, and we're getting ready to expand a little bit more here real soon, which is exciting, and um, can't wait to share that with people here real soon. I have probably one of the more interesting academic backgrounds in the finance space. My undergraduate degree, I was a double major biology and chemistry with a minor in economics <laughs> from Gettysburg College, and then have a graduate degree in cell and molecular biology with a concentration in statistics from UVA. Wow. And then he made the yeah, natural so transition you don't find that every day? advisory. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, that just leads to being a really good investment person. Yes. No, um, actually, I joke about that, but it really does because what science teaches you is to question things and figure out creative ways to problem solve. Mm -hmm. And that's really the crux of what we do every day is looking for ways to help clients solve their issues that they either know they have or they don't know they have. And to not necessarily think of things in the traditional sense of finance and inside the box thinking. We are definitely outside the box thinkers. Um, I would consider us to be more contrarian investors than your traditional investment shops. Um, we are not your traditional asset allocators. I mean, we do allocate but I would not say we follow your traditional model portfolio theory. So, um, but we manage about 50 million for 50 clients and most of our clients are business owners. And so we've got a really unique take of understanding how private assets affect the personal balance sheet when it comes to 
owning a business and the issues that come with all of that. And for a lot of business owners, they generally choose to ignore the most important asset that they have. You know, everybody, it's easy to deal with an investment portfolio. There are lots of people who can deal with investment portfolios and most people think it's fairly simple and easy. And to a degree, it's become more commoditized. But as when it comes to strategically thinking about an asset that may be worth two, three, four, five, twenty-five million dollars, and it's highly illiquid and very difficult to transition if you don't set it up properly. That's what we really specialize in: planning around business succession. Excellent. And I imagine that your experience has has helped you on your entrepreneurial journey as. You said that you're adding and you're expanding, and so you're getting to personally experience some of those exciting but yeah, so the, at the same time painful changes. The wonderful adding of FICA taxes for <laughs> employees. Yes. I, I never thought that would be one of those things that would become a, I won't say bane of my existence, but it's always a painful thing to have to deal with, and you just don't think about it when you're adding employees, that little thing, right? the first FICA check, my accountant calls me and goes, so, um, I don't know if you actually withheld properly, but <laughs> you need to write a check for, I forget what the amount was. It was like two or $3,000. And it's like, oh shoot, I forgot about that. Right. It's little <laughs> details. So, and right now, minor details, Yeah, my, minor details. And right now in, in, in the country, I think that there's so much enthusiasm around entrepreneurism, our entrepreneurship and side hustles and just getting out there and, and, and making something on your own, which I think is, 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 is an awesome thing. But once you get there, once you do have a successful business, then you really do need to put a lot of thought and a lot of time into what am I going to do with this if I do in fact want it to go to the next generation and the next generation because a lot of those family businesses don't successfully transition, do they? Surprisingly a smaller number than you would realize. I mean, I've seen lots of, there's lots of different statistics. Um, PricewaterhouseCoopers says that 60% of businesses that get passed to the next generation fail during that second generation, Mm -hmm. which is just... It's a really hard, I mean, most businesses fail in the first five years anyway. Right. It's 90 something percent, 80, 88 to 92, depending on the, the survey that you, that you read, don't make it out of the first five years of existence. Mm-hmm. So the idea of once you are one of those successful businesses, setting you up for the next transition so that it continues to succeed through year 30, 40, 50, 60. I've actually helped one, one client. We've gone through transition from generation three to generation four, and we're actually now planning generation four to generation five, even though generation five is probably 20 years away from being ready to take on the next business, you know, the business moving forward. And it brings, you know, the, there's seven big mistakes that I see business owners making when it comes to preparing to sell their business or actually selling their business. And the first one is that insufficient preparation. And this family, 
understands the value of preparing the next generation because a lot of, of transitions fail because the next generation wasn't sufficiently ready for it. Hmm. And that's, it's amazing how many times, even if they've worked in the business and they've worked in the business for many years, they're not the founder. They're not the dad. They're not the granddad who set things up. And granddad doesn't give up control to the grandson soon enough or the son soon enough or daughter and doesn't allow them to learn all the aspects of it first. And so they step in and the employees either say, well, that's not how we used to do it. That's not how we did it, you know, when your dad took over or when your dad was running the business. And so it really is a very challenging situation to step into. The other side on the insufficient preparation is they don't spend a a good enough amount of time preparing their business to be sold. You know, just like you would spruce up your house before hanging a for sale sign in the front yard, it's important to address a lot of several key aspects of your business before you list it for sale if you're selling it on the open market and not transitioning it to your children or to management inside the company. You know, you need to make sure your financial documentation is all in order, that the business has sustainable profitability, any lease issues are addressed, staffing issues, um, all of those things have a major impact on whether your business is able to be sold um, or is able to be sold for top dollar. Got it. I mean, anybody who who's tried to transition a business knows you want to, you know, you spend your entire life working on it. You want to get the most money you possibly can out of it if you're not transitioning it to your kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Nice. And I have to imagine um, what one thing you said to me that in investing is easy and I don't think either one are either either one of us are saying that it's an easy thing but it is right from the perspective of wanting to help family-owned businesses or closely held businesses to be successful and to one day transition I I would have to think that the messy stuff in that is not easy at all and that's having those conversations about who's going to take over and how we're going to transition because some some of the kids might be in the business and some of the kids might not be in the business so there's all those family dynamics i have to imagine that those are really where for lack of a better term an advisor makes their money it's actually my favorite part um we actually when i'm going through the planning process we actually with a business owner we actually sit we actually have a family meeting and we sit down after we've kind of mapped out what things are supposed to look like and we talk to the kids or talk to the nephew or the cousin or whoever it is that is that next generation that's going to be stepping in and we talk about here's why here's here's what you need to know here's what we're expecting from you here's how this is going to play out here is the actual roadmap and the transition plan. Here are the things that you need to know and do in order to be given this wonderful opportunity. And what I found is when 
by adding this family meeting part and not relying on the client to actually be the one to tell the story, tell the why it's actually lessened a lot of that family tension in the beginning of my career. I would just let them just go have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to sell it to my son. Well, what about your daughter? Well, she'll be fine. You know, we're going to, we're going to take care of her another way. Well, did you ask her if she wanted the business? Uh, well, it didn't matter. And you know, so then it creates this conflict. Well, by adding this family meeting to the process and including the next generation in the process, we've really added um, to the success rate of actually having successful transitions. And I've seen it actually play out. Um, a lot of times I would have, there would just be infighting and things going on. But when you can sit down and actually have it with a neutral third party involved in the conversation to kind of help counsel all of the parties through it, you have a higher probability of success. I don't think and it, yeah, totally. And a happier family ultimately mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. And going back to those numbers and I'll just use round numbers and, and to your point, statistics are, depending on which ones you read are, are going to be lies, lies, damn but, statistics, yeah, right? Exactly. But if 90% of family businesses want the business to stay in the family, only 30% are actually going to, that's only 30% are actually going to successfully transition to the next generation. And I have to imagine that kind of like what you're talking about, there's an expectation from the actual business owner, what he or she wants to see happen, but then whoever's going to receive the business what, what what the expectations are by that man or woman, um, and are they equipped to do so? Do they have the proper habits? Are they interested in, in, in getting the business? Um, and as we're talking, those seem like obvious questions to ask, but just like why a business hires a consultant to come in, sometimes you're so close, and with a family, it's oftentimes you're so close that you never have these kinds of conversations, and those are the most important. Yeah, not hiring professionals is actually probably the or or bringing in your professionals too late into the process mm -hmm. is probably the number two or three reason that that businesses don't successfully sell or transition, depending on how you on how you look at it. The more time, the earlier you can bring somebody like myself into the process, the higher your chances of having a successful transition. So generally, I tell folks that five to seven years out is when you probably want to start talking to me. If you haven't already been working with me, you know, for years, mm -hmm. um, at minimum five to seven years out from when you think you're going to transition, because there's so many planning techniques that you can use that if you don't give yourself a sufficient amount of time, they go away especially when it comes to taxes and things like that, which is a very important consideration for most business owners um, or even the type of sale transaction that you create. You know, is it an asset backed purchase or a stock purchase or all of the different things that that need to come into into play in that process? So the earlier you can bring people in to be part of the conversation, the better. Got it. You were talking about how it's a fourth or a fifth generation business that you've been working with that they're looking 20 years out. And that's that's maybe that's maybe a little bit much. But five to seven years is, is probably 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 the sweet spot. What what should people 
start thinking about or, or, or have ready? Obviously, you want to have your financials together, but are there other things that people should be kind of considering that, that maybe they don't normally? So, yes, absolutely. Um, one is, what are you going to do mm. after you're done, after this transitions? What's your involvement going to look like? What's your role going to look like? What are you willing to do? Um, because not everybody is willing to stay on for three to five years if you're trying to sell it to somebody else, not family. But if you're trying to sell to a strategic buyer and they want you on board for five years, is that something you're willing to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so n- what are you going to do next? What does your transition look like into the next phase of your life as the owner who is no longer the owner? That's a very hard thing to balance because if you transition it to your son or daughter or family member and you stay really close and heavily involved, that's not allowing them to actually run the business. Right. Most of the time, it's like it's why why you can't oversee trusts from the grave, you know, mm-hmm. why you can't put overly burdensome provisions inside of a trust for someone to get the money out of it. Um, you know, there are rules around that sort of thing. Same sort of rules kind of apply when you're transitioning a business. Don't, don't be so overbearing that they don't want to come to you when they really need your advice Mm -hmm. because there will be times when they will really need your advice. And if you've been overbearing through the transition process, they won't come to you and then the business will fail. And of course the flip side of that coin is if you're just way too hands off and you just, here you go. And then never to be seen again, perhaps the, uh, the, the person selected is not in a position to, uh, to run the business. And yes, it's absolutely a fine balance. Mm -hmm. And depending on what your financial interests are, you know, so if you've taken a seller financed note in the process or they're paying you out of cash flows, um, you're going to want to stay more involved than if they had a bank note and, you know, you're turning it over and you're letting it go. The other thing that I see many times question wise you asked about is, do I have all of the right staffing in place? Because far too many business owners are control freaks. We all are. I don't like to turn things over to other people, but eventually I figured out I had to, if I was going to reach my ultimate goals and objectives, do you have the right people in place for a successful transition? You know, do you have the right financial team in place inside the company? I'm speaking about not outside professionals, but inside the company. Do you have the right financial controls in place inside the company? Do you have the right operations people involved? You know, do you need to have a president under yourself to help this transition? I, I, I haven't shared the story with you before, but I had a client and it was two brothers and they owned a very successful mechanical contracting firm that did high end HVAC equipment and they had taken it over from their dad and were getting up in age and they really needed to start thinking about a transition. And when we went and got the valuation done, the initial valuation 
because there wasn't any children for them to transition it to or really a management team, so to speak, to transition it to. It was really these two brothers kind of divided all of the important jobs except for finance Mm. inside the company amongst themselves. So they were the sales team. They were the engineering team. They were they were all of these things. Now, they had engineers under them, but they weren't management. And we had a valuation of the company done and it, the company valued that they could sell it for 30 or $40 million on the open market was probably a fair price that they could get. And I said, if we built out a manage and a, one of the weaknesses in it was lack of knowledge, continuation and management. There was nobody else inside the company that had the institutional knowledge to be able to transition it on to the next owner really. And so we took four years, built out a whole management team. They continued to grow the company. They found that they ended up growing it significantly during that time frame, and they ended up selling the company um, for almost $200 million. Nice. In five years' time, they, ex- they went from a $40 million, $30 to $40 million valuation to a $200 million valuation because they asked the right questions of, all right, what does this have to look like for us to maximize our worth? And that what ended up happening was they ended up having the employees were much happier and they had 250 employees at the time and really just them. And it was a big family. It was one big family, but all of those employees stayed on at the new company when the new company purchased them. And the two brothers even stayed on for five more years as part of the deal to help this transition. And it was really a great case of a very large business successfully transitioning and the new owners being able to expand on their success. One of those success stories we we hope to hear many more about. So, well, Peter Savage- I can give you some good failures too. I bet. (laughs) Well, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So my difference-making tip is- Progress is made in very small increments, one step at a time, one day at a time, and to not focus on trying to accomplish 10 years of work in one year's worth of time. Well, I think that that is excellent stuff that definitely gets a come on. Come on. I think that people are way too impatient and need to appreciate that everything so many things worthwhile happen incrementally, so I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Peter, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So you can find me on Twitter, at Thorium Wealth, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, Wealth. I'm also at ThoriumWealth.com. Um, we're also on Facebook. And if you wanted to reach me in the office, you could call 336 336- Three one zero four two three three. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Peter your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Follow him on Twitter. Check out the website, and I will have all of those sources listed in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Peter. Thank you, George. It was great talking to you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!